to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. Today, I'd like to introduce Liz Ripley, conservation and cover crop outreach specialist with Iowa Learning Farms. Liz will be discussing cover crops and nitrogen management. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. Thank you, happy to be here. To get us started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I grew up on a farm in Northeast Iowa and am a longtime Iowa native and have been with Iowa Learning Farm since 2013. I'm an Iowa State alum as well as University of Nebraska Lincoln. And I'm really excited to be here and talk about cover crops and nitrogen management with you. Great, let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, How do cover crops help reduce nitrate losses from corn and soybean fields? So cover crops fill in that gap when our corn and soybeans are not actively growing. So they're out there taking up nutrients that might otherwise be lost. And if you're growing something like cereal rye, where you get both winter growth and spring growth, you get that added uptake of nutrients that might have otherwise been lost during a rain event. And so it's holding it in the roots and the stems and the leaves until it decomposes and is made then available through the decomposition process to future crops and uh, make sure that it's not leaving the field and entering into our local river streams and lakes impairing water quality. So when you think about the long-term, are covers a good long-term solution to help with nitrate losses? So when used annually, every year, cover crops have been shown to decrease, especially nitrogen loss or nutrient loss, So for cereal rye, again, like I mentioned, it grows both in the fall and spring. A collection of studies showed an average of 31% reduction of nitrate loss. Uh, For oats, that would only be there in the fall. It's about 28%. Our own research where we looked at using uh, both cereal rye and oats in a corn and soybean system, we saw a 61% reduction uh, in the two-foot rooting depth of nitrate concentration and 23% with oats. So Cover crops are a great practice that can help reduce nitrate losses long-term, but they do need to be used every year so that they are a practice that works well with many others that are more permanent or, or perpetual, like edge of field practices, such as saturated buffers, bioreactors, and wetlands. Talk a little bit about the four R's of nitrogen management. So the four R's are designated as the right source the right rate, the right time, and the right place. They're really crucial in the first step of making sure we're applying nutrients appropriately for crop demand, right? So if you think of it not only from, say, a nutrient loss standpoint, it's also part of your risk management bottom line. You don't want to overapply nutrients because that's an added expense you don't need to spend if the crops aren't going to use it. So it starts with that, and that's where nutrient management begins. And then the next step would be to take and add in, say, cover crops or potentially routing your tile drainage through one of those edge of field practices I mentioned. That leads me to my next question is how do cover crops 
fit in with the four R's of nitrogen management? You know, every year's kind of been different and it's a huge responsibility and one that I know that producers don't take lightly is to figure out what are going to be their nutrient demands for the year as they go about and setting their, you know, plans for the year and purchasing their inputs. So it's important that those are matched up. And this year is going to be a challenge, especially here in the Midwest, because it was exceptionally dry all year. So while the decisions were made at the beginning of the year, anticipating, you know, an average precipitation year, nutrients were applied at that expected rate. And unfortunately, because it was so dry, our crops actually didn't take up as much nitrogen in particular. So there will be excess nitrogen left in the soil that could be flushed out uh, once the rains do start. So there's still time to get a cover crop added out there, um, especially if you're in the lower Midwest or south of I-80. There's still a few more days to get that cover crop in, but you can make sure that that nitrogen in particular is kept in the soil, but also the phosphorus because you're going to get soil erosion reduction as well. So how does a grower then go about determining the best type of fertilizer to use for their soil? So my recommendation is to either yourself or or work with someone that, that can do soil sampling, grid soil sampling. That'll give you a snapshot of where your new soil nutrients currently stand. And it's going to be a a good guide to knowing if you're high or low or hitting the sweet spot of of where those nutrients need to be for your crop demands. If you have access to livestock, obviously you can utilize livestock manure, but if you don't, then your choices um, are more on the, the synthetic or commercial side of fertilizer. But there's a great tool, it's free to use, um, available from Iowa State University's Department of Agronomy. It's the maximum return to nitrogen tool. So it takes into account not only the the price of the nutrient, but also the current crop prices to help determine what application rates would be uh, optimum to creating the last return to that last pound of nitrogen applied. So you're you're maximizing your, your investment for yield potential uh, given current price outlooks. How can cover crops then be an important tool for reducing that risk of possibly increased nitrogen loss during a wet period? Uh, yeah. As I alluded to this year, you know, it's been an incredibly dry year. Uh, so there's going to be extra nutrients left. And if we switch to wet, or even a normal year, we will see a flush of that nitrogen come spring in our tile drainage systems that are very prevalent here in Iowa. And this is based on research from a plot, a series of plots up near Gilmore City. It's in Pocahontas County, where for over 30 years, they've been extensively monitoring tile drainage in a corn and soybean system with and without cover crops and and varying amounts of tillage. And, you know, post-2012, um, in other previous dry years, we see a huge flush of nitrogen in the tile drainage systems, um, especially in the years uh, where we're going to soybeans following corn. We see that that spike in nutrient transport. Um, so when we do add in like a cover crop, even if it's oats that'll winter kill, they're holding on to that nutrients because they're they're taking it up in their their growing process and holding it in the the leaves and shoots and roots. Um, So we're keeping the nitrogen that way. And like I said earlier, you know, cover crops are incredible for reducing soil erosion. We have the even dead plant material out there once it's terminated, 
acting like armor, protecting our soil and keeping it from leaving the system and leaving the field. And with that, we're keeping the phosphorus in the field as well. So we're maintaining both nutrients within the system instead of flushing it or seeing it leave the field um, by a local water body. Talk about maybe which cover crop species are best for fixing nitrogen uh, from the air or the atmosphere. So your nitrogen fixing cover crops are going to be those that are found in the legume family, um, similar to soybeans that they put on the nodules on their root systems. So this would be things like any of the clovers, red clover, crimson clover, hairy vetch, cowpea, lentils. Um, and we've looked at some of these um, as cover crops here in Iowa, and they just don't seem to work very well in our corn and soybean system because we just can't get them planted early enough to get them really established uh, for those that could be winter hardy like hairy vetch to be able to survive and be there in the spring. Uh, so they're just, they are an option if you've you know got an extended rotation or something like that, but for a corn and soybean system, we just don't have enough growing degree days to get those covers really established to really actually get any nitrogen fixation from them. On the other side of that, if you if you are using those cover crops to uh, convert nitrogen from the air, what soil bacteria are needed uh, to help facilitate that and, and help that happen? Yeah, so we're going to be looking for microorganisms that actually do nitrification. So they're going to be transforming ammonia to nitrate, uh, sorry, nitrite, which is NO2, and then eventually into nitrate, um, which is NO3. So these are bacteria that are, are occurred naturally occurring in our soils and by providing them with additional food sources throughout the year, we can help support their survival in our systems as well as by reducing our tillage through this, the field. We can also help maintain their populations because we're not destroying their habitat. So we do want to help support those microorganisms, the bacteria and the fungi that are helping us do that, that decomposition process of both the crop residue and the cover crop residue once it's, it's dead or terminated so we can recycle those nutrients back to the soil uh, to be available for the crops in the future. So what factors then influence how much nitrogen those legume cover crops can fix? So the biggest thing is giving it a chance to grow. Um, so that you got to get established fairly early. Um, so for here in the Midwest, you're likely going to be following a small grain um, harvest or possibly even frost seeding that and letting it grow for quite a while uh, before you're going to be able to get any of those nodules large enough to really do any fixation. I was researching this a little bit before our conversation because I'm by no means an expert um, in legumes as a uh, grasses are the primary cover crops that I work with, um, but they do actually start using the soil's nitrogen to grow before they're able to put on nodules and start fixing nitrogen. So we do really need to give them a chance to grow for as long as possible before we start to see that fixation. And so given the current cost of those, those seeds as cover crops, they just aren't really feasible for a corn and soybean system to really get the growth that's needed to get that fixation. How does using cover crops improve how efficient uh, the cash crop can be in using its nutrients? Yeah, so 
you know, here in the Midwest and especially here in Iowa, we have some of the best soil in the world. Uh, it's really high organic matter soils. And so what we're going to be looking for is increasing that soil organic matter because that's going to help with that nutrient cycling. So by adding in a cover crop, we're helping boost that soil organic matter by providing additional food sources for the microorganisms, the bacteria, the fungi, the earthworms that are out there doing the great work of recycling that residue. Um, but also we are keeping that soil in place. So we're not losing that organic matter either. So the key is to work to increase our soil organic matter. And by having cover crops out there, we're definitely starting to see that increase in organic matter. While it might be slower here in Iowa than other parts of the Midwest, it is key to helping with that nutrient recycling efficiency. We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. And now back to the podcast. So kind of going back to uh, talking about legume cover crops, why does uh, using those legumes that have a low carbon to nitrogen ratio, why does that sometimes result in excess nitrates in the soil? This is one that's a little bit beyond my expertise. Um, so I might leave that one for a discussion with the soil scientist, but as those microbes are breaking down um, those cover crops, differing amounts of nutrients are released as that's being done. So by having you know, multiple food sources out there to help with that, keep that carbon and nitrogen ratio in, in check can help reduce those excess nutrients that might otherwise be lost. Does the timing of when covers are seeded, does that affect their ability um, to accomplish nitrogen fixation? I know we've kind of talked a little bit about this and in, in uh, how many growth days we'll have. For sure. And this is the case for any cover crop, regardless if you're looking for nitrogen fixation, the benefits you get from them are largest, the earlier you can get them seeded and the more growth you can get from them. So whether you're looking for, you know, nitrogen fixation or nutrient capture, so it's not leaving, soil erosion protection, even grazing, the more growth you can get out of them, the, the better, right? So that's why we recommend, um, if you're looking to consider cover crops, getting them airily seeded or interseeded with a high boy before harvest when possible, or following as close to that combine as you can to get that seed in the ground so that you're giving that cover crop the best opportunity to get as much growth in the fall. And then if it's an overwintering species like winter cereal rye, which is very popular here in Iowa, you'll get that additional growth in the spring. Now this fall has been exceptionally warm here in Iowa. So there's been some pretty good growth of cover crops that were aerially seeded that have now really taken off. I just got some photos from my dad's farm and 
it's definitely nearly, you know, halfway up the soybean plant or more in places. So um, his sickle is cutting it off and doing really well. And um, his beans are coming out clean, but you know, the earlier you can get those cover crops seeded, the better for a lot of different reasons. So which cover crops tend to be scavengers of soil nitrogen and, and which on the other hand, which species tend to be producers of soil nitrogen? Is it just those legume cover crops or are there other species too? Primarily it's going to be your legumes because they're the ones that will put on what we call nodules, the little bumps you find on the root systems because that's where the fixation is occurring. Your scavengers are going to be your your grasses particularly because um, they just send their roots down to, to capture that, that nutrient and send it up to its shoots. Um, especially things like cereal rye that's going to put a lot of its fall energy into root production so it can survive the winter. So it's going to be tapping into the nutrients that are down there and holding on to them. Uh, but it also could be things like wheat, triticale, oats fall into that grasses category. Generally, your legumes are going to be all of your clovers, hairy vetch, cowpeas, lentils. There's also another category that's fairly popular, uh, more from uh, possibly with compaction and infiltration would be things that put on tap roots. We call them brassicas. Those would be your radishes, rapeseed, canola, things like that, that are going to have a pretty substantial single tap root that's going to provide um, some opportunities for water to flow in once they are decomposed and leave that, that root channel open. And maybe you've already discussed this. Um, and, and if you have, please correct me, but um how can cover crops fix what what we call lee cropping systems? Yeah, so the corn and soybean system that we have that dominates the Midwest is a leaky system because when you think of back to what covered the Midwest for many, many years was a perennial vegetation uh, that was then broken and, and, you know, developed into a corn and, and oats and maybe it was an alfalfa and pasture. So it was a pretty substantial rotation that's now pretty much predominantly going to be in a corn and soybean rotation. There might be a couple of years of continuous corn or some other situation in that rotation. But when we think about when those are growing, it's typically between you know late April, early May to the end of September when they're actively growing and even questionable to the end of September some years. So that's five months out of the year that we have a living root system in the ground. And so that offers you know, seven months when those nutrients could otherwise leave the field. So that's why we call it a leaky system is because there's a mismatch in timing between when our soils start to warm up in the spring, especially, and, and that soil organic matter is doing its thing. Those microbes are converting that um, organic matter, the ammonium in there to nitrate that could be used by the crops and when those crops actually need them. So it's not really until they're old enough or big enough to really have a high nutrient demand. Uh, so there's just that mismatch in timing, and, and that can create some pretty significant water quality challenges if those nutrients leave the field. So if we have a cover crop out there, it's almost like we're covering up some of those brown months. You know, if we can get something established even in early October and terminate it just before planting in, in April or May, we're covering those seven months uh, to make sure that we're capturing as much of the nutrients as we can and preventing those leaks from occurring. Does the type of fertilizer that's applied affect whether or not a cover crop is needed? So, for example, would applying manure as fertilizer or, or using dry fertilizer um, 
Would that make a difference in whether or not a grower should consider using cover crops to help with their nitrogen management? I would say the short answer is no. Cover crops are compatible with any forms of fertilizer and maybe even more so with uh, manure fertilizer. So even though, you know, if you did airily applied cover crops and then you're going to be umbilical or, or tank applying even swine manure with those knives that can actually do quite a bit of a disturbance, you're still providing cover for those inner rows and actually the the cover crops can hold on to a lot of those nutrients that might otherwise be lost. Anecdotally also they can provide, the cover crops can provide um, soil cover that um, would help the machinery stay afloat within the fields because you have plants out there taking up um, any of the soil moisture that might have otherwise made it too wet to pull through that field. So they create an opportunity for manure application um, in situations where maybe it was otherwise too wet because you have that cover crop out there. And they're also very compatible with any of the commercially applied fertilizers as well. So regardless of the type of fertilizer that you use, don't think that you're knocked out of using cover crops in your system. Great news. We've talked a little bit about how um, legume cover crops go about um, fixing and, and transitioning nitrogen. Where do those cover crops store their nitrogen? Is it in those little nodules or is there something else? Yeah, so some of it's going to be stored in the nodules for the legumes in particular. Even your uh, grasses and and brassicas are going to be storing that nitrogen uh, in their leaves and shoots. So some of that is going to also be in your legumes. And as those are terminated or, or winter killed, the next time it warms up and those microbes get active again, they're going to start digesting that material and releasing and recycling those nutrients back to the soil. So what we can do to help support those organisms is definitely going to help with the nutrient recycling from both the cover crops and the crop residue that's out there. So if you've got an issue with a lot of corn residue sticking around, it might mean that your soil microbial activity is pretty low. So if you can help boost that by adding in a cover crop, reducing tillage, again, is going to be key to to maintaining those habitats as well. Um, You can really start to see a a benefit in in the quickness of that decomposition while also getting that nutrient recycling as well. Okay. So uh, in what types of scenarios are best to add legumes to a crop rotation to help with those nitrogen fixing uh, capabilities? Yeah, so I think that goes back to kind of addressing that leaky system. I think the way we can incorporate legumes is by considering extending the rotation. Um, So that's going to be, you know, maybe starting with corn, then we go to soybeans, incorporate a small grain like oats or rye that's maybe harvested for cover crop seed elsewhere, so that you get the opportunity to go in and you can seed clover or hairy vetch that can start doing that nitrogen fixation. And then if you've got clover or alfalfa out there, you could always harvest that for both hay or possibly graze it if you've got livestock um, on site and fencing to keep them in. So I think where they can really fit, especially here in Iowa, is by extending that rotation um, and concentrating the field on using those legumes if that's what you're after. Where can our listeners go for more information about using cover crops with nitrogen management? Absolutely. So we've got a lot of great resources on our website, and that's iowalearningfarms.org. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a blog, so you can find all of those links from our website. 
On there, we also have a link to what's called the Whole Farm Conservation Best Practices Manual. And that's available to, for free to download from the ISU Extension Store. Um, you can also request a free copy by visiting our website and just reaching out to me. You can find my contact information there and I can get you a copy sent to you free of charge. There's tips on there uh, for incorporating cover crops into the system, but also if you really are interested in possibly integrating legumes into your system, there's some tips for extending that rotation and, and setting you up for success uh, as you look to do that as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Liz. Once again, I want to thank our sponsor. What if you could do more in 2022? TerraSim by New Leaf Symbiotics utilizes the power of microbe technology to increase yield, improve nutrient uptake, and achieve stronger ROI, and is now available in convenient planter box application for corn and soybeans. To learn more and sign up for the 2022 risk-free satisfaction promise, visit newleafsim.com slash 2022. That's newleafsym.com backslash 2022. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.